0: Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and this is episode 47 featuring an interview with Matthew Fowler. Matthew is from the Orlando area, And he's currently living sort of in the Gainesville area, but that's when he's there. He just embarked on a tour across the country. We caught up with him uh, just a few weeks before posting this interview online, and he was on his way at the beginning of the tour. We saw him later that night in Orlando. And so the interview you're about to hear, I actually interviewed him at the Credo, downtown Credo coffee shop in the College Park neighborhood of Orlando. Pretty cool hip area. And he was playing a show at that location later that night. So I got to hear him, and it was a really great. Actually, it was a completely packed house. I was shocked when I arrived there about 30 minutes before the show, and the place was packed already. So um, anyway, it was really great. And Nicholas Roberts, who was on a previous episode of the Agents of Innovation podcast – how it was one of the openers for matthew that night they're longtime friends as you'll hear a little bit later on the podcast for now i'd love you to go and visit our website agentsofinnovation.org you can see all the blog posts including one about this episode episode 47 with matthew fowler please share those blog posts share them on your own social media pass them on to friends neighbors email them however you want to share and if you're not yet subscribed to the agents of innovation podcast on your phone whether it's through your podcast app or your Stitcher app, or however you get these podcasts, please subscribe. You'll be the first to be alerted to new episodes. And if you've got friends that you think are interested in hearing about, entrepreneurs, philanthropists, artists, uh, all the people we interview on this podcast, please subscribe them, pass on a particular episode. Uh, I'm always finding new people all the time that are interested in this stuff, and uh, they will be uh, thankful to you later when they've been turned on to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Also, we're on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we are getting lots of new followers on Twitter lately. We've actually hit more than 500 followers now. My goal is that we'll hopefully get 1,000 followers on Twitter by the end of the 2018 calendar year. So working with um, my social media engagement officer, Carter Fowler. Thank you, Carter, for all your help in uh, reaching out and engaging new audiences for the Agents of Innovation podcast. In the meantime, I want to thank you for listening to this Uh, podcast to this episode we got lots of great interviews lined up ahead and just want to thank you we'll hear a a song from Matthew Fowler at the end of this episode as well but just sit back relax and let's get another interview I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast uh, Matthew Fowler Matthew is a musician uh, From Orlando originally and uh, now home base in Gainesville, but we're sitting here at the Credo, uh, downtown Credo coffee shop in College Park in the Orlando area. And uh, we are, uh, he's preparing for his show tonight as we record this. Uh, So, Matthew, welcome back to Orlando.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Well, Matthew, uh, I'm trying to remember when we first met exactly when it was, I think it was about a year and a half ago, maybe uh, uh, I actually hosted our friends of the Curries at a house show in Orlando and had them on the podcast actually that same week. Uh, so they've also been guests on the agents of innovation podcast, but when they were coming uh, to over to play at my house, they said, Hey, we're going to bring our friend Matthew Fowler because he's just an amazing musician and he's going to join in on a few songs. And you did, and you were awesome. And we were, uh, we were, we were wanting more. So, uh, uh, I can't believe it's actually taken me this long. Well, actually, I did see you one time. Um, I think you opened for uh, Damian Giragro. I did. Yeah. At um, back booth, I think. Which back I don't booth. think actually exists anymore. Oh uh, well, I think they've changed the name of that place. They always, yeah. they always are. Yeah, that place has been many different names it over has, the years. It It has. But uh, yeah, I saw you there, and uh, so that was that was really great to actually see your own show. But this is—it's been a while now. I think it's been about a year or so. So uh, you're back here in Orlando. We're looking forward to seeing you, and um, you're playing. Um, uh, the, with the Prado sisters,
1: right? yep, yep, yep. Um, I've been. I got a, gone on this sort of epic long, 40-show tour. I'm going to the West Coast for the first time. Um, basically, uh, we're leaving. Um, you know, this is kind of really the first sort of show, and then we do. Uh, we basically snake our way from uh, Florida up to Chicago, uh, playing shows along the way, and then we start to go uh, west from there, and we go all the way out to the West Coast. We play. All the way as far west as I mean, you know, we're literally going all the way to Seattle and down the whole coast and back through Texas and we'll be back in like early October to Florida, um, where we're gonna sleep for like two weeks when we get back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I saw that this this tour has already started before we got to Orlando, right?
1: Yeah. So we did we sort of on sort of on purpose. We did uh, like three or four shows before we left on the big one just to see because it's my first tour going as a trio. Um, so the Prado sisters are playing with me, two sisters, um, they're also from Orlando, they graduated from uh, FSU with uh, degrees in music and they play a bunch of crazy instruments and harmonize really well and they're they're very versatile musicians and um, we did uh, Jacksonville, Lake City, Florida and then Savannah, Georgia uh, together just to see how it was going with the van and like how we're packing everything because uh, you know it's it's a long enough tour that if you overpack you got to stick with that thing for like two and a half months or whatever you whatever you uh decided to bring that was extra so it was sort of our dry run of like how things are going to go which is ironic because like you know literally we'd start the car the compressor breaks in the van which is like no ac we have a tire blowout on the way to savannah so it's like all these sort of trials and tribulations that i'm glad we got through in the first couple of days and now you know we've got the we got the van fixed and um, all that kind of stuff which is which is great it's a lot easier to get that stuff fixed and, and dealt with from somewhere that's a little more home-based than it is in the middle of a place you've never been before with, without contacts or anything like that so
0: um, well good well yeah. and i also see that in orlando uh tonight you're opening uh well you have opening for you uh, uh nicholas roberts who yep. uh was also on the agents of innovation podcast uh Few episodes back, um, so glad to see that uh, you've teamed up with Nick as well.
1: Yeah, Nick, uh, Nick and I go way back. The first uh, I met him in Gainesville, probably like five years ago. We uh, I played a house show in Gainesville at his house, and I didn't know him at the time. You know, there are a couple other people on the bill, and we just became close friends. Uh, like a few weeks later, the, later I, you know, gave him a call, and, and we'd never really hung out before. And I just was like, Hey, man, I'm I got the day off. You know, I'd like to drive up to Gainesville and you know talk shop and just uh you know because he's 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 a really smart guy he's great with marketing and he knows a lot about the technical side of things that i don't really know about so i just was looking to pick his brain and you know our two-hour coffee shop hangout ended up being i like we stayed i stayed at his house that night we just like hung out the whole day and you know we drank a bunch of beers and i met his girlfriend and you know we just had like a wonderful time together and uh this is the start of a really really great friendship that we still have you know so he played. we played in Gainesville last night for a SoFar show, so it was kind of a secret show, and he played that. He's playing with us tonight, and tomorrow we play in Gainesville, and he's playing that show as well, too. So it'll be a lot of Nick, which I'm always excited about.
0: Well, good. Well, Great to have some familiar people around you as well to get this uh, tour started. Um, well, speaking of which, I know that you are from here in Orlando, and uh, you put out your first album when you were just 19 years old, and you're 24 now, right? Yep, that's, that's the case, yeah. Uh, so tell us about this album. Um, I read that uh, basically it was a compilation of songs you wrote between 14 and 19 years old. Uh, maybe maybe back that up a little bit. Uh, what's your uh, so what were your sort of beginnings in music? Where did you get started? And then tell us maybe a little bit about that songwriting.
1: Uh, so when I was uh, man, when I turned 14, uh, my parents. Uh, I'd, I'd always been really into music. You know, I wasn't like a big sportsy kid or anything like that. Um, it was really like music was what I was into you know I'd hang out with like my teachers at school and we'd talk about you know Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan and stuff like that and that's that's where I felt at home and so my parents bought me a guitar when I turned 14 and I just started writing songs you know I just didn't really think too much about it Um, but pretty shortly after I would say like by the time I was 15 I was like pretty sure that's what I wanted to do you know all my heroes were musicians and Maybe I, I got a little caught up in the, uh, the glorification of it, you know, as you do when you're young and you're at that age. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I I put that album out because I, I felt like over the course of a couple of years, I had amassed what I what I thought were were some songs that I thought were worthy of being you know being put out. And so that album came together from just picking my favorite ones that I'd written over the years and uh, finally like doing something with them. You know, um, my parents. It was recorded and my, my dad's a chef. Um, so growing up it's like about food and, and he has a, this uh, storage unit that he converted into a kitchen for catering because he does catering and so a lot of the time especially late at night it's pretty empty you know so it was a great place for us to be able to set up a couple microphones and we literally just like we used a to record the album we used an 8 track to SD card reader so it's wow. literally like you know there's no computer involved um, besides a little console we just put a memory card in set the microphones up, put it into a thing you know, pressed record and played the song and we just did it until we liked the version that came out and uh, I don't know if it's the way I would do it again but it was uh, I think it's it's what makes it to me when I listen back to it sound true you know, because we weren't really there were no frills on that, there was no percussion on that, it was just like a couple of us in a room playing instruments together, it was really cool what, uh, what instruments were on there? I mean, were you playing the guitar? Yeah, so I was playing guitar, singing. There's a little bit of harmonica on there. Uh, there's a bit of trumpet on there. There's a bit of piano, some harmonies, stand-up bass. Um, there's a melodica section <laughs> at some point on one of the songs. And were these with just, like, some high school buddies? or? Yeah, literally. Like, you know, uh, the Prada Sisters, they both played on that album. Um, oh, wow. We met, like, years ago. So um, they... I met them at, like, an open mic at Austin's Coffee in Ware Park uh, when I was, like, 17, I, th- I think. And uh, they sang really well. And I was like, man, would you guys like to sing on my album? And, like, a couple of weeks later, we didn't really know each other that well. And uh, they were all about it. And it's started a, like, wonderful friendship that it's so cool to see, like, the fruits of that labor now because now we're finally getting ready to go on the road together. And and it's, you know, I've been able to sort of get to a point where I can book 40 shows in a row and have it so that we're not like like burning money and like every day you know we should we should and be so able to do something
0: and yeah. so you recorded that album in your dad's like is that a kind of catering kitchen yeah yeah, yeah
1: is exactly um,
0: well, well that's great and the name of the album is Beginning
1: it's Beginning yeah it's kind so. of a <laughs> thinking back on it sort of a cliche album absolutely name for a first record but you know what can you do? I was young. I didn't know what I was doing.
0: Yeah, chapter one. Chapter um, one, exactly. Well, so from there, uh, Matthew, you, you then, uh, uh, tell us, uh, you, did you start You started community college? Is that what you were mentioning?
1: Well, so that, so I, I did community college before that. So I basically, oh. after I got out of high school, I did like, you know, three-fifths of community college. I got into some great colleges. Um, you know, we couldn't really afford to go to a lot of them because my dad was a chef and I would work at the restaurant um, as a kid. I didn't do, like, technically a lot of community service hours, so there was a lot of, like, scholarships that I didn't necessarily... uh, I wasn't able to apply for. And, And, um, you know, I didn't didn't really want to... I wasn't sure about college because it's a big, you know, it's a big investment. And uh, I didn't think I was at a point where I wanted to make that investment, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do necessarily that I would need that sort of education in order to do. Like I always thought music was was wonderful and I, I felt like I didn't need a degree to do the things that I wanted to do in music. Obviously, if I wanted to be a doctor, you know, you go to college for that or, or, or be a lawyer or, or something that I felt like, um, you know, you needed like a real education on, but I felt I had been learning a lot and there was a lot that I could learn on my own from doing music that I didn't necessarily at this point need a degree in it to, to pursue it. Um, wholeheartedly. So um, I decided to save money and uh, not go to college. And and basically, like, you know, I I just kind of stopped showing up. (laughs) You know, I thought thought community college to me was like, it was like high school 2.0. It was just, it was really grading to me. I just was not into it, um, you know. And uh, I borrowed a bunch of equipment and uh, that was the catalyst for, you know, I, I basically, I told my parents, I'm like, look, this is my plan. And they were they were all about it you know my dad's the kind of guy he's an entrepreneur himself um, with the restaurant industry and he's just like man do whatever you want to do just do it to its fullest you know don't don't mess around like if you're going to do something do it treat it as a job make it a career you know don't make it a hobby that you sometimes do as a job make it a career and so that's what I've been trying to lean towards obviously there's ups and downs to that and there's all sorts of things in between and life happens but um, yeah I've been really trying to to move forward with it
0: so once you put out that album at 19 and you were um you were then deciding hey i'm gonna you know not continue s- school right now uh and just move move on and into a music career what were your your next steps what did you do in terms of uh preparing yourself um you know uh, musically but also uh, in terms of trying to position yourself uh in terms of a career
1: so basically um I found myself sort of in this position where I had these songs, I had an album, and, but I had very little experience in the actual music industry in the grand scheme of how the, the real pros do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I did was I, I tried to find a manager and uh, someone who knew what they were doing. And I found this guy, Steve Foxbury, who's from Orlando. He's actually... Have you heard of the band My Friend Steve? They're, oh, yes. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> so Steve
0: Foxbury was my I was manager. probably listening to them when you were a toddler. So, so going to their shows. So Steve moved <laughs> to,
1: to Pittsburgh. I got connected with him because um, the girl who did my album art is a high school friend of mine and happens to be his niece. So when the album was done, you know, I gave her a bunch of copies to give to her family because her artwork was on it, and I thought it was cool. And so she passed one along to um, to Steve, who like called me and was like, "Dude, this is great. You know, let's work together." And uh, we don't we, we still sort of work together now, but uh, it's at, at that time. I didn't really have anyone else in my corner. You know, it was for sort of validation from someone who wasn't like a family member or like a random person. It was like, okay, this guy's got some experience. And so we uh, we did a lot together, man. We, uh, we we took that album and we basically re-released it. Um, we found a, a PR company that we could work with and afford. We um, released the album. I started playing more, going on tour. Um, I was lucky enough. There was something kind of interesting about being that age. You know, I was like 19 and playing all over the country, driving in a car. I can't believe my parents let me do that. But uh,
0: Well, you were 19.
1: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. But looking back now, I'm like, God, I was so young. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's something about, about being young. And, and, you know, I found people not, you know, I'm not like a superstar or whatever, but I found people starting to connect with it and, and giving me a chance. And, and it, I think people like to see someone young going for something that they believe in. And so um, I got to go, like, open for a bunch of really cool people, and like do all these pretty legit things that I that I you know was working hard towards, and, and it kind of got me you know a step closer to to being what I would call like a legitimate you know touring musician and, and a legitimate songwriter, and uh, and yeah, so I mean, really, it was like I think a lot of people don't realize that like like anything being a musician it's like owning a small business you know you invest in it you like try and find the people who know what they're doing the best in it and hire them you know um, you really like that's really what it is it's a small business and uh, it's packaged differently you know there's no physical address to it you know you're, you're trying to sell songs which is interesting you know as a concept because it's something you're like it's not tangible and there's like a billion people who write music and, and you could probably listen to things recorded before 1980 and have more music than you could ever consume in a lifetime um, so it's it's an interesting like field to try and go into but
2: um,
1: I don't know there's a lot of people out there man it's all about finding your audience and uh I play like kind of sad folk music. There's a lot of people who like that, and I like it too.
0: You know. Well, you have a you having incredibly talented vo- uh, you're an incredibly talented vocalist. Thanks. I think uh, that was the thing that everybody that came to my house show when you sat there with the, and played with the Curries. were like, we want to hear more from that guy. You know, yeah. and I think you were just kind of almost back up a little bit. Uh, but the um, I think
1: I was sick. Yeah, you sick. were sick too. That's right. I was, totally sick. Right. You I was were like sick, and we were like, "Wow, well, sick how does he dog. sound when
0: he's uh, when he's healthy?" Uh, <laughs> Not much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was going to ask you on that tour. Were you doing? I mean, mostly like sort of solo artists, yeah, yeah, singer-songwriter type. Games. Exactly.
1: So I would, I have, you know, I had a 2009 Kia uh, uh, Spectra, and I just everything I had, I just put in the car, and I just be me driving to different places
0: playing solo and And was your manager (laughs) finding these places for you how did you find
1: I mean we were basically partners kind of we just we were both at the stage where like he had been out of the music industry for a while Mm -hmm. and I was the catalyst for him getting back into it and he was the catalyst for me starting it and so we both were like, like like discovering this again together if that makes sense and so it was really nice it was like having a teammate at a time where I didn't know what I was doing and like I'm really glad that I did because you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of weird ups and downs in this industry like you you play a show for like 200 people and then you play a show in a basement for like three people (laughs) what the hell's going on you know uh and everything in between so it was nice to have somebody to be able to call and like and with his music experience just in general just having like a a voice of reason or someone to be like yeah you know that's just a part that's just a show you know just like that's what happens or someone to validate what I was doing and to say like oh that's a good song but you could write better one or whatever you know it was really nice to have that kind of encouragement and also challenging and I you know I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like the best team player in the world I like to do my own thing I like my independence and so it was all like a big lesson and building a team and and what that what that means and yeah, so it was, it was
0: super, super important, like learning steps. I would what, say. what was the uh, what was sort of the biggest challenge when you first went out there?
1: I'd say the biggest challenge is really, it's really like getting shows. You know, it's it's hard. Like, you're you're trying to expand, but at the same time, nobody really knows who you are outside of your circle. So every time you expand your circle, you have to take risks because. The person on the other side is taking a risk too, so it's a little bit of like tit for tat sort of thing, and sometimes those risks are heavily or you know more heavily stacked against you, or more heavily stacked against the venue or whatever it is. So uh, the booking aspect has been probably the most tedious, just because that's where I like to be. I like to play, I like to travel, I like to play shows, Um, but the booking process is like very long and arduous. So. It's like just a bunch of emails all the time yeah keeping up with them a spreadsheet is insane um, and it's not my favorite you know that sort of uh, that aspect of it um, is not my favorite part of it um, but it's like anything it's like the administrative part you know it's got to be done yeah, so it's got to do it every job has that yeah. has that part for every I year.
0: mean I do uh, I do fundraising for the nonprofit organization I work for and I have to say half the time I'm just trying to get meetings set up basically yeah. and that's not the fun part no. But once you're there and you're traveling and you have the meetings and you're talking to the people, you know, that's great. So for you, I imagine it's kind of, you know, once you're there in front of the audience exactly. and, you're, and you're playing. Then uh, people get it and yeah. it's
1: easier and, and everything moves f- faster from there. But getting that initial booking or meeting, if yeah. you if you will, is just the hardest part. You know, um, it's like you're trying to convince somebody halfway across the country that you're a financially sound investment on a Tuesday night in wherever, like Iowa, let's say, <laughs> uh, and you've never been there before, and they've never met you before or heard you play live. So it's it's a weird, weird thing. And, you know, as time goes on, it gets better and better. You establish markets. You play the same places over and over again. You try and do that kind of stuff. Um, it's – I think people sort of uh, – there's an unrealistic um, maybe – popular pop culture sort of view on the musician lifestyle I don't think people realize how much work it is you know they think it's like a big party all the time and it's not it's like never a party (laughs) I don't party at all
0: (laughs) I work a lot well you're going from place to place Uh, you know if you go to your website matthewfowlermusic.com I know you can everybody can check out your tour dates and you can also just see how much you're just boom boom. There's boom a lot, the yeah, There's a lot of driving and, yeah. and stuff like
1: that. It's fun, you know. I actually like the drives. You get to see parts of the country and, and stop at these weird little places that you wouldn't otherwise do if you were just flying there. I think. Right. Um, plus, it's more expensive to fly. And I like the freedom of having a car. You know, you can do whatever you want to do. As long as, as long as it doesn't break down. As now. long as it doesn't break down, <laughs> you know, which is a very real risk. But you know, that's also part of the story right right. well you can always get a song out of it
0: so so. you're home based now in Gainesville tell us what you've been doing um, when you're in Gainesville so I've been
1: so a couple years ago let's see I think two years ago I moved to Gainesville for like I was supposed to move to Gainesville for a few months and I did what everyone who moves to Gainesville does and they moved to Gainesville for two months for two years Uh, (laughs) And uh, I found myself working at a music venue. Uh, There's a listening room in Gainesville called Heartwood Soundstage. It's like a 150-ish seat theater, like very pristine uh, music venue. And they film other shows, kind of like Austin City Limits or something like that. And so um, when I moved to Gainesville, I moved in with this guy, Dave Malosh, who runs a studio up there. He's one of the owners of the venue. So they opened the venue right after I moved there. and I became kind of the de facto manager there. And so I set up a lot of shows. I was the video director for, like, like most of the shows. I learned how to do camera work. I learned how to do audio work. I learned how to be a manager, you know, of a, of a music venue. I learned how to, you know, talk to bands, how to set up shows, how to really do the venue side of things, um, which was sort of unintended, but, like, probably some of the best bits of information that I've learned. You know, it was a kind of a weird... It was sort of what I call the lost years you know mm-hmm. sort of like I didn't do a lot of shows I wasn't playing a lot but I was learning a lot um, you know now on the road I can bring a camera and you know be a lot more effective with like videos and photos and stuff and, and I can you know use Photoshop and Illustrator and all these other programs and, and I can I know how to talk to booking guys now I know how to set up shows I know how I know how it works from that technical side which is something I was struggling with before and uh so now i feel like i've got this sort of like better general knowledge of the entire picture of it um which is what i've been learning and it's helped me book shows it's helped me like capitalize the most on like the shows that i do play you know i can get great photos and videos and content and um you know in today's market like people want to see those things you know um like you know i'm sure like I have fans in Canada. Like I don't know when I'm gonna play Canada, but they can see the shows that I'm playing and they can feel like they're part of the experience
0: without having to be there, which is pretty cool. Do you do sort of the uh, sort of the Facebook Live type style, or you just Sometimes. video and just record and post later? So
1: I like to do. Um, I got sort of spoiled working there because they have these really fancy cameras, and uh, I don't have a super fancy camera personally, but I bought a really nice lens, and so I've been. Um, I just learned how to set up videos in a way that I can create my own videos that a lot of people pay hundreds of dollars for and uh, I bought some really nice microphones and I know how the audio engineering side of it works now so I feel like I just it's, it's all about like seeing the things that you need right like your band you need uh, you need everything to look professional you need everything to sound professional you want to have content that comes out every you know X amount of time and if you can't do it yourself, then you're paying to do it. And as a band, you know, we're not making a lot of money. So everything that I can save, but redirect that, either into reinvesting into a better camera or a better microphone or something, it's all working in my benefit in the long run. It's all th- things that I'm learning so that if I do hire someone, I know exactly what I'm hiring them for. I know exactly how to tell them what I'm looking for. I know exactly what it is that, I'm, that I want. Um, so that's kind of like, the mode that I've been in I I think I think when I was younger I was a bit I I didn't realize how long things took you know how long it takes and I've grown a little bit since then and I've worked a lot since then so I feel like I can now see it from more of a top down view of like it's a career you know it it takes the the, the common uh, phrase is that it takes 10 years to create an overnight success in the music industry you know and that's True. There's a lot of work that's, that's going to be done, and and, uh, and I'm not shying away from that. I'm excited about that because I think that the bands and the musicians that like, don't give up are the ones that become successful because it just takes time and persistence, and you get better at your craft and you get better at everything. You know, I think people throw the towel in a little bit early because it is difficult, but everything is difficult. You know, having a career in anything takes ten years. Um, whether you're working at a bank or whether you're working on the road, you know. I mean, it takes time to get where you want to go. And uh, and that's a big investment, you know. So you have to be willing to put that investment in. And so, like for this tour, I, I, I decided to kind of go a little more, like I quit my job at Heartwood. I bought a van so I could bring the, the girls on tour with me. Um, the van has given me all sorts of troubles. We don't even have to touch on that. But, uh, um, but yeah, I've been... I'm trying to get to the point where, like, I'm not a musician that sometimes works at a coffee shop. I'm a musician, and that's what I do for for a living. You know, um, so. Yeah, good. It's, it's been, well, it's been, a, it's been a great journey. Uh, yeah, that's that's a fantastic Sorry, I'll journey. Just, and, I'll just keep talking. No, and
0: this is a great story to hear, and I think that's really great. Um, First, I think just getting that experience, uh, learning from sort of the venue and the booking side and the whole sort of industry side. Uh, as a musician, now you're kind of going to go out and understand uh, how, how everything works and how everything how everything connects. And not only that, getting those great skills uh, behind the camera. Um, I think that's probably going to be really great for you. But also uh, what you mentioned about putting in all that work, a lot of people just don't understand... Uh, in any career, that it takes exactly. a lot of time, you know, some people think of it in terms of, well, you know, I go to college maybe I got, first of all, that's time, right, that's four or five years, whatever yeah. it, that takes uh, in any profession but beyond the just the simple education, it's getting out there, getting that work experience uh, one, so you have those skills, but also uh, others will appreciate that you have those skills. Well, that you have practical, um, you have practical use
1: of those skills you know, uh, and that takes yeah. time to hone on itself, I know a lot of people who go to college for a certain thing and then, you know, they, they leave in their degree and they get a job, but then their first couple years of that job is like figuring out how that job works, you know, and uh, it's kind of interesting, man, and it's sort of a side note, but I think a lot of people in college could be doing a lot more for themselves. Um, I just see a lot of people going to college because it's like the quote, unquote, next step, you know, and I think that that to me is a mistake. It's like, I think people should go to college... If they know what they're looking for, and because it's expensive, you know it's expensive, and it's a time commitment, and you want to make sure that the time is spent working towards something. And, and yeah, and like the social aspect is important, but you know you can you can go to a bar and meet people and have a social life, you know, without going to college and and, and that sort of stuff. But I just uh, I think it's weird. Like people people don't I see a lot of people not working as hard as they could sometimes and and that's not a knock on people it's just more like I think I've just identified what it is I'm trying to do and I I guess a lot of people don't have that luxury I guess I feel like I'm pretty lucky to know that what I'm passionate about and what I want to work towards and I think a lot of people spend a lot of years searching for that so I feel lucky in that but um, I don't know where I was going with that. but
0: Well, you know, uh, it's funny. As we're going to get to the uh, close here soon of this interview, um, one of the things I've been ending sort of the last six or seven interviews with uh, was a question that I, I read from a book uh, from Senator Ben Sasse. Um, and his book is not really about politics. It's more about the culture. But one of the things he said he likes to do when he meets many people is he likes to ask them what was their first job. And so I thought that when I read that, I thought that would be great for this podcast to ask uh, some of the guests on this show what their first job was. And so I'd like to ask you what your first job was and um, any any skills or anything you learned from that job.
1: So my first job was I was a busboy. Um, my dad, growing up, I mentioned earlier, is uh, a chef, and uh, he, owned, he owned a fine dining restaurant. Like, very small restaurant like the size of the coffee shop we're in is like bigger than it um which is you know it's like 50 people or 60 people at most can fit in this place and my dad was a chef my mom was the hostess my grandma made the salads but it was like a fine dining like he won awards for his 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 stuff he was a James Beard nominee
0: and that was here in Orlando here in
1: Orlando yeah um and so when I was 13 I got to work in the restaurant I was the busboy and uh, you know these are these expensive food. You know it's like twenty-something dollar plates, and you have to carry yourself with an air of legitimacy. You know it's not like a pizza shop where you can be like kind of the fumbling kid. It's like no, you're you're dealing with with uh, you know high-end clientele and, and with you know really nice food. And, and so um, my first job was was being the busboy there. And so I learned how to present myself to people, how to talk to adults at that age, which was something. That was super valuable. Um, you know, I could carry a conversation at thirteen with a fifty year old, which was I felt kinda cool, you know. And most of the time they don't realize how young you are. So I became friends with all the waiters and waitresses and they like forget and you overhear all sorts of crazy stuff <laughs> being in the rent- restaurant industry. But um, You grow up quick. You grow up quick, yeah, you grow up <laughs> quick, you know. And, and so I would work like Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, sometimes Sunday brunch, every weekend for like years until the restaurant closed when I was like nineteen or eighteen so I learned what work is, you know, how physical, hard work, and I thought that was always great for my songwriting, too, because there's something weird about being busy with your hands that makes your mind just go crazy, you know, um, especially sort of physical work, where you're moving around, you're busting plates, and, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to the kitchen, and uh, so, yeah, that was my first job. Um, Journey's Restaurant, man good
0: times. Well, great. Well, it sounds like you learned a lot there and uh, able to present yourself well in front of people, which I think you'll probably hopefully do tonight and hopefully, along many of I'm your try other stops <laughs> on, on the tour. Uh, and because you're going to probably find yourself, you know, probably maybe there'll be a little bit of a familiar audience here in Orlando with people who know so. you. I I know my parents are coming, my, my brother, oh, sister. And, but you know, along so. the rest of the tour, you're going to probably be in front of a lot of new audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so almost
1: more nerve wracking playing for you. Friends and family than it is playing for complete strangers, yeah, because they have nothing to base that on. Whereas my parents have seen me like, you know, they've like wiped my poop when I was a baby, so it's, <laughs> it's just like a weirder scenario to play uh, like <laughs> serious music in front of them. You know, it's kind of funny.
0: Okay, well, um, that visual of your parents wiping your poop Sorry about uh, that—will just stay with us. But well, uh, might the not,
1: not have been a good example.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, uh, Matt, we wish you all the best along this tour. Um, now uh, just talking about your music I know uh, when you were 19 you put out that album uh, beginning and uh, what what kind of music uh, what music have you put out since have you put out any albums other, other yeah so
1: so I did a when I was in a couple uh, about a year uh, I'm not sure when it was but I I, I did a, an audio tree session which and they do this in Chicago and that's come out um, it's like kind of an EP length so it's like five songs I think um, and I've been working on a second record for a little while so um Hopefully that's, you know, out sometime in the next century. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have a bunch of really... Songs that I've been working really, really hard on uh, trying to make the writing as good as possible and the production really good. So um, I've been taking my time with that. I feel like, I feel like it's sometimes it's good to uh, to take your time, especially on a second second uh, release, you know. Um, they always call it sophomore slump, and I don't want it to be a slump, you know. I want it to be good, you know. Uh, and I think hopefully this is the one that... Uh, and it puts me a little bit more... Each, each time, you're just trying to get a little more on the map. Um, so I'm really taking, like, considerate forward steps in and, and what I'm releasing and when I'm releasing them and, and what I'm doing with those releases. So,
0: yeah. Well, we know that uh, people can find all your music on iTunes, Spotify, all yep. the places where they find music. Just search for Matthew Fowler. And also, your website is MatthewFowlerMusic.com. So no matter where anybody is listening to this podcast... They can hopefully find you out across the country over the next few months. Uh, and in addition, we're gonna listen uh, and play here at the end of this episode a song uh, by you. What song uh, is this and, and, uh, and tell us a little bit about um, maybe uh, behind the scenes what, what the song's about.
1: So we'll, we'll, uh, the song is uh, it's called Blankets and uh, on the first album I put out, it was actually like the last minute edition. Uh, we are in the middle of recording the rest of the record. And uh it was like a morning, you know there was like a beautiful day. I just had a cup of coffee and like I wrote a song in like ten minutes, which is like super uncommon for me. Uh, I usually toil over things for a while. Um, there's only been a few instances where I write like a complete song in like one sitting and I did and I thought it sounded awesome and it's turned out to be the one that we from that record that we play more often than the others, you know um, so it's It's Yeah, it just was a last-minute addition. There's something uh, sort of inspiring about being in the middle of working on something you're passionate about. It just gets all these other ideas flowing once you open your mind to it. So, uh,
0: yeah, that song's called Blankets. Well, great. Well, um, from the downtown Credo Coffee Shop, where you'll be performing uh, tonight, which will be well before uh, anybody hears this podcast because this will be uh, this will be out a few weeks later but uh, but wanted to uh, to thank you and we're uh, we'll now listen to your song Blankets thanks for uh, being on the Agents of Innovation podcast Matthew thanks for having me appreciate
2: it I can't wait to leave this place cause all I do is settle down a man cannot be heard behind a closed door gotta take his words to town so When I was young I fell in love And I've been falling ever since With a way to speak my mind who give me Inside. The frames of reference, songs of passion I'll never run, I will never hide and it has been a long time coming But a change is here The reasons all have run away There's nothing a journey that will stay with me for life It will stay